This is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 165. And the quote of the day is, Trial dire e il fare, ceri mezzo il mare, which is Italian for between what we say and what we do, there is the sea. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers and industry professionals. Information education, and motivation for drumming, and beyond. What's going on, everybody? Nick Ruffini here with another session of the Drummer's Resource Podcast, and I hope you like my my botched up uh, Italian there in the beginning. That's an old that's an old proverb, an Italian proverb that my cousin taught to me years ago, and I thought it was fitting because I'm talking to Rick Latham, and he's in Milano, and he lives he lives there part time. So uh, you guys know that I like trying to speak Italian. I have some some heritage there. So and also it's my birthday, so I'm gonna do whatever the heck I want. Uh, today, April 11th is my birthday. And what does that mean? That means I'm taking the day off and that means I'm at the Phillies home opener. So, uh, hopefully there's some, there's a W in the air for the Phillies. I'm a Phillies fan and, uh, yeah, just being a Philly fan is rough anyway. So let's get into this interview. This is a really, really special interview for me because, uh, Rick Latham, I studied out of his books, uh, or I studied mainly out of, out of advanced funk studies for years. And I know so many other people have. It's regarded as one of the top 25 drum books of all time. And it's, it's Rick Latham. His, I mean, his name, his name precedes him, but, but just his playing and uh, his pocket and his feel and all that kind of stuff. I just admire everything he does and have been a huge fan of his for years. So this is really, really special for me uh, to have him on here. So without further ado, actually with a little bit of what ado, I guess. I don't even know if that's right. Anyway, some of you may notice on the social channels that everything switched over to Nick Ruffini. Basically, I've been managing two social channels for every single uh, every single property. So like I have a Nick Ruffini and a drummer's resource, Instagram and Twitter and Snapchat and all that stuff. So I combined them all to one just because it became too overwhelming. So if you've already been following me on social, then you don't need to do anything. I just changed the name. So if you're looking for the drummer's resource stuff, it's now gone. So on Instagram, it's drummer or it's uh, Nick Ruffini on Twitter, it's Nick underscore Ruffini. And on Snapchat, it's Nick dot Ruffini. Facebook, I left Drummer's Resource because I use that more of like a publishing platform anyway, uh, just to put out the articles in the podcast. So I don't really do anything like personal on there. So if you're wondering where all those social channels are, they are now just combined in one. Same updates and everything, but just uh, just under a different name. So cool. All right. Now let's get into this interview with Rick Latham. Rick, how are you, my man? Thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate it. I'm good, Nick. Thank you, man, for calling. And uh, ciao from Milano. Uh, ciao from Milano. <laughs> this is this is cool. We were just uh, we were just chatting off air about your your uh, living in Italy part time of the year and got a place in L.A. and got a place in in Italy. So we're going to talk all about that about how you how you actually ended up there and and all that okay. kind of stuff. Um, <clears throat> okay, very good. But let's let's get a little bit. I always like to get a little bit of the backstory of of my guests. And for anyone out there listening who doesn't know who you are, shame on them uh, because you are often referred to as one of the most influential drummers of all time, as far as I'm concerned, and as far as you know everyone else well, is concerned. Wow! Well, thanks, man. Thanks, <laughs> thanks for that. That sounds great. <laughs> Absolutely. And like I told you, I've learned. So much from your advanced study or your advanced funk studies book. I studied out of that for years and years. So we're going to talk about Fantastic. all that as well. Great, um, great. Let's talk a little bit just about about your backstory and 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 you know where you where you grew up and and how you got into drumming in the beginning. Yeah, I'm uh, originally man. I'm from Columbia, South Carolina, and um, yeah, I grew up uh, pretty much. You know, I was uh, born in the fifties. And, um, you know, grew up listening to a lot of radio and stuff like that in the South, a lot of R&B and gospel kind of music. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, when I was uh, I started playing when I was 12, basically self-taught. And um, man, by the time I was like, you know, 14 or 15, I was actually playing underage in clubs and stuff hmm. and doing doing some things in Columbia 
and in two um, years. Yeah, yeah. I, it's funny, man, because I was uh, kind of a natural. I mean, I, I was taking uh, also in junior high school. I started a high school band, you know, junior high and high school band. Mm-hmm. So I started playing pretty much by myself, but I was pretty much a natural, like starting. I mean, fortunately, it just you know, drumming just kind of. Uh, just kind of hit me, man. When I was 12, too, I saw actually uh, Joe Morello and the Dave Brubeck Quartet, believe it or not, um, live when I was 12 years old. And um, Brubeck was actually one of the first jazz musicians that really brought clinics and workshops to the schools, to kids. He was a big advocate for for teaching jazz and, and music uh, in schools. And they did a, Joe Morello did a clinic and then they played a concert that night, man, at a, at a like a high school auditorium um, in Columbia. And I was really, you know, I knew who Joe Morello was because at that age, uh, you know, I was already like looking at drum books and catalogs and stuff. I don't know, you know, if, if kids do that today, but um, we used to like drool over, you know, like the Slingerland and Ludwig catalogs and stuff mm-hmm. so so i knew who you know some of the great drummers were buddy rich louis belson joe morello and i you know i was able to see joe and i actually met him that day i was the kind of kid that would you know kind of go backstage and try to meet people and do stuff like that so i actually met him that day and we remained friends man uh, nice. you know over the years which was really great and um it was uh that was had a <clears throat> really you know profound effect on me and and later it's funny that i became good friends with louis belson and and louis we were playing one day together just playing on some pads or something somewhere and um it's funny louis said you know your left hand looks just like joe morello's and (laughs) that was like (laughs) really wild (laughs) yeah i mean as a compliment and it was like some like it was just about osmosis or something you know that i i didn't really ever study with Joe. I went to his studio a couple of times in New Jersey um, when he was teaching there. But, um, you know, I never really took lessons from him, but we talked and stuff. But it was funny because I remember that that first night, man, that I met him uh, between the the clinic and the concert, he actually played his famous one-handed roll single stroke on my leg, you know, (laughs) like I went and got him a cup of coffee or something. And, uh, yeah, we just started talking about drums, you know, and so that's, that's how I was the very start. And then, uh, you know, the high school band, I, I just was, uh, again, I played along to a lot of records and at that time it was, uh, you know, like classic rock and stuff happening. And then by the time I was, you know, in the, like in the sixties and stuff. And then, you know, again, high school, high school band, I became really involved in, <clears throat> marching band and and you know rudimental stuff i really fell in love with that so then i went to uh east carolina university for undergraduate school in greenville north carolina and actually with the, i looked i almost went yeah. to school there uh-huh yeah oh yeah 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 i don't Man, sorry i not to interrupt you but i was like yeah oh, yeah nobody no, ever talks sure. about east carolina university Man, it's a great school. It's a really great school. And um, there's so many great drummers have come out of there, really. Not only drum set guys, but percussionists, too. And um, when I went to school there, Harold Jones was teaching. And Harold had gone to school there and had come back and was teaching there for years and years. He's retired now, but we still keep in touch. And uh, this is the, the white Harold Jones, not not the black Harold Jones that played with Count Basie. Ah, that's who I but, thought you were talking about. Yeah, actually. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what that's funny. A lot of people, but but Harold was a fantastic percussionist, and he's studied also with some great teachers um, from many of famous orchestras and stuff. And uh, he was a just a, a great teacher and mentor of mine, man. I studied mallets and timpani and snare drum with him. And it's, it's very funny that I never really studied drum set. He had a drum set in his office, man. And, and I was the only person that ever played it. <laughs> I would play it like before my lessons and stuff. It just, but, um, but I would play marimba. I was really into marimba and vibes and timpani and, you know, playing in the uh, symphonic wind ensemble orchestra. And um, he was just a, a just a great teacher, man, and a, a, just a great musician. And um, 
later, after that, I went to graduate school at North Texas. I was able to get a full scholarship and actually a, a teaching assistantship at oh, North cool. Texas. So, so due to the great training that Harold gave me, I was able to, to get a full scholarship and actually, you know, made money for teaching undergrads while I was working on my master's and studied there with uh, Robert Chitroma, Ron Fink. And um, there were a couple of drum set guys, Jim Hall, who I studied with, uh, Henry Oxtail was another guy teaching there. Ed Sof is there now. Yeah. And uh, he's I think he's getting ready to retire. But um, and also it's it's interesting that uh, at um, at North Texas, it was called North Texas State at that time. Now it's called the University of North Texas. I was playing with the lab bands and the percussion ensemble, again, the symphony orchestra. I was writing for the uh, drum corps, man. The marching band has a killer. The North Texas State drum line is killer. Well, I was going to ask about the entire school. Uh huh. I mean, yeah. Like, there's there, that place just churns out yeah. good drummer after good drummer that yeah. go on to have, have successful careers. Yeah, it's, it's great. I mean, Bissonette went there, Keith Carlock. Uh, Rich Redmond, uh, yeah, yeah, Jason Rich, Sutter, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, I think Jim, did Jim Riley go there? Jim, Jim, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, um, there's also Ray Brinker. I don't know if you people guys are familiar with Ray, but Ray's a great jazz drummer. Uh, I'm not played with, with uh, Tierney Sutton, jazz oh, okay. singer. Yeah, and uh, Ray's a great guy. He's out in L.A. Uh, Randy Drake, uh, Rusty Wells. Uh, a lot of these guys, uh, Brad Dutz, percussionist, mm -hmm. was uh, some of these guys were in my percussion ensemble. <laughs> That's really funny that I was uh, conducting while I was uh, teaching there. Really funny. Crazy. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's a great school, and you know, known for its jazz department. It was it was actually the first school, I think, in the country to offer uh, or to have a jazz degree. So, and I, and I think they're the only school band to ever put out a Grammy award winning record? Uh, maybe so the lab band. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Amazing. yeah. Yeah. It's a great school, man. And uh, actually Mark Ford, that is the percussion. The, I think they call it the, I guess the director or of the percussion department. He went to East Carolina as well. Oh, did he? for his, for his undergrad and graduates. Yeah. <laughs> So he's another East Carolina guy now that is in charge of the uh, head of the percussion department in North Texas. Ah, So incredible, man, how that whole scene is uh, really incredible. You know, <clears throat> there was a, another great uh, uh, percussionist. Um, oh, man, I'm trying to remember now. Uh, Tony McCutcheon, who was the band director at Auburn, mm -hmm. who has a killer marching band. I mean, he was a percussionist, but he was the – marching band director there for years. We went to school together and just uh, many, many great, uh, you know, great guys came out of there, uh, East Carolina as well. So I was lucky to go to two really great schools. And um, also the jazz department at East Carolina was small, but very good. <clears throat> Excuse me, jazz um, department was run by uh, George Broussard at that time. He was the, also the trombone instructor great mm -hmm. trombonist. And that's where I met actually Bill Watrous. I went on to play with Bill Watrous's band for a little bit and, um, the big band, great trombonist. And, um, yeah, just, you know, it was a great way to, uh, a great introduction to many different styles of music and stuff, which I think is important. And that's something that we'll probably talk about a little bit later too, as sure. we go on, because we're playing, I think that's really important for, for all guys to, really learn a lot of different styles and, and play as many different styles and <clears throat> as many different genres as, as you can to get work. You know, there's mm -hmm. so many guys looking for work, you know, it helps to be really well-rounded. And that's another thing that just being a, a overall percussionist, I really enjoy because, you know, it just gives you a little more of a musical background. Not that drum set is not, but it just, you know, you, you learn a lot by playing in a symphony orchestra and, uh, you know, backing up singers and other instrumentalists playing musical shows. And, you know, I did all that stuff growing up and uh, which, you know, a lot of guys may not have um, the chance 
<clears throat> or opportunity to do that now. But, you know, when I was coming up, that was uh, important to, to, you know, learn how to read a book in a pit orchestra and, you know, backup singers on the fly and know a bunch of jazz standards, no, no, you know, no rock tunes, no R&B tunes, no Latin tunes. So, you know, that's important. I think now it seems like a, a lot of <clears throat> drummers especially kind of get, you know, trapped into like one kind of mode, one one genre or something. Mm-hmm. And I think it's I think it's good to to be a little more well-rounded than than some guys are, but um what were, know, so, what were some of the things that you feel like you learned from being in these different situations like the being in the you know having the orchestral background and learning marimba and learning vibes and timpani and and playing in all of these different situations? Well, just like I said, just overall being overall better musician and being able I think to to also uh, communicate with with other musicians, you know, in a in a very musical, <clears throat> excuse me, another musical language, you know, mm-hmm. just to uh, to communicate a little better and and to understand also the the different parts and you know how things work together in all those different uh, ensembles, you know, an orchestra, a big band. Mm-hmm. That's uh, really important, and I think. To, I, I would imagine it helps with your you know, your melody, understanding the well, melody and things like well, that. Exactly. Well, exactly. Melody, rhythm, you know, <clears throat> uh, you know, intonation, stuff like that. I mean, not so much on the drum set, but, you know, just different stylistic things, just being more musical, not uh, playing, you know, just full out loud and gospel chops all the time, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. but uh, be musical, you know. Mm-hmm. So and, one, uh, yeah. No, I think that's uh, basically just kind of in a nutshell, just to to be more musical and understand many more aspects of music than uh, just, you know, just playing the drum set. Right. Now, the you touched on something that I want to bring up about learning different styles and, uh-huh. and, and, and being a well-rounded player. And the thing that I've always admired about you is the way that I found you was through advanced funk studies and then, you know, through funk playing. But then... Uh-huh. You know, then I'll see you play shuffles and you sound amazing playing that stuff. And then you can play swing and you can play all of this stuff. Well, thanks. Yeah. So absolutely. So what is what is your one? What is your sort of approach to learning new styles and and really having a good a, a good feel with all of these styles and really mastering these styles? Because I think a lot of people will sit down and they learn a couple of funk grooves. And then if someone sure. says, can you play funk? They say, yeah, I can play funk, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that happens a lot. And, um, like I said, especially the, the young players today, younger players, um, they seem to kind of go in one direction, which, you know, that, that, that's all cool. And we're all, when we're, when we're young and we start, you know, we want to play fast and, you know, furious and, you know, double bass drum and all this stuff. I actually had two bass drums <laughs> and uh, was a killer double bass player. But when everybody started using double pedals, I stopped because, <laughs> you know, it was just like a crutch. Right. But but um, <clears throat> the different styles, I was lucky again to study with so many great teachers and be exposed to to jazz and have to play jazz, have to play <clears throat> pop, have to play ballads, have to play you know, R&B, hard rock, whatever. And, you know, then I started doing some studio work when I was in Dallas after uh, North Texas or during North North Texas before I moved to L.A. Uh, I moved to L.A. in 84, 1984, and became more involved with studio stuff. And that, that was one place, I think, being in Texas from South Carolina. You know, South Carolina... The music there, the R&B and, and black influence gospel stuff, that had a profound effect on me. Then marching band, that's a rudimental thing. Then I moved to Texas, and uh, I actually, you know, had played some shows on the same bill as like Stevie Ray Vaughan and guys like this with bands I was playing with in Texas. So, you know, you learn how to play these uh, shuffles, you know. You just learn by doing. But... But you don't 
<clears throat> really learn it by practicing. You learn it by doing it, you know, on the job. I mean, kind of approach. I mean, you have to practice it, of course, but playing mm-hmm. with these real blues guys, that that's the way to learn, you know, and mm-hmm. playing, playing with musicians, you know, and then I went to North Texas and became, you know, I love playing big band and I'm a really good big band drummer. I never get to do it much anymore, but I read very well and pick up things very quickly and I know that genre too. And that's different. That's very different too. So, uh, you know, just doing it, you can practice in your practice room and play alongs all you want, but, you know, just really doing it live with live guys, I think that's uh, important. So <clears throat> my um, suggestion would be to try to, you know, find a way to play all these styles live with somebody. I mean, even, you know, even if you're not making money doing it necessarily, but find some friends that like to play blues and find some friends that like to play pop and R&B and Latin and 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 practice that stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. There's no there's no uh, you know, there's nothing better than doing it, you know, and doing it with guys and try to find guys that can do it well, you know, and, and sitting in, you know, I used to try to sit in with as many bands and, and people and places that I could. That's something else. It's, uh, you know, that really separates the men from the boys too, man. When, <laughs> when you go to a jazz club and they ask uh, some guy to sit in and he's never played swing before, <laughs> right. you know, that's a, can be a daunting task, <laughs> Sure, you know, but it can also make you learn it, you know, mm-hmm. baptism and, by uh, fire. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. And that, that, that happened to me too, you know, when I was younger and, and, you know, I, and, you know, it only happened once though. And then I said, okay, I'm going to learn this. I'm going to learn and then come back and, and do this better. And that's, that's one thing that I was exposed to some great things. And I was, uh, uh, I was able to be exposed to several things just because of the, the, the places I grew up and the places I lived, you know, mm-hmm. Sure. So I think it's uh, I think, you know, just really trying to do it again. Practicing in your practice room is great. And don't get me wrong, uh, guys that listen to this uh, podcast that, uh, you know, I'm not saying don't shed and don't uh, practice and don't do play alongs. Those are great. But get out and play with with live real guys as much as you can, you know, even for fun, just you know, if you can find some guys that play the, the style of music you are seeking to be better at or, you know, be good at, go for it. Sure. So sort of staying on the same topic, and sure. this is something that I've I've had issues with, you know, as a younger player. And I know that people ask me this a lot, too. So I want to get your opinion because everybody's everybody's opinion. This is different. But so if I'm let's just say I'm learning shuffles or I'm working out of your advanced studies book or or advanced Mm -hmm. studies or something like that. And okay, I do I do exercise, you know, one out of page seven of your book or something like that. So Uh when do you suggest that people move on to the next one or or when they say, okay. I have, I'm confident that I can actually play this shuffle, you know, on a gig or, or right, something right. like that. <clears throat> well, that's, that's something else too, that, that's interesting because, uh, you mentioned the books and, and both of my books, advanced funk studies and contemporary drum set techniques are, they're very different. You know, when I wrote the funk book and I actually wrote that advanced funk studies when I was going to North Texas and finished it after I left the school but <clears throat> the teachers all uh really encouraged me to to write that book because I was showing up at these lessons and that was during the time man that was um like uh 73 something like that mm-hmm. uh where it was uh 70 no North Texas 77 to 79 my two years there for my master's but when I was going to college, 73, starting 73 to 77, you know, my four undergraduate, you know, Steve Gadd, David Garibaldi, that whole thing, Harvey Mason, that whole thing was uh, with linear was kind of just kind of evolving. Right. And uh, I really became <clears throat> really just uh, enamored with that whole style. I love that linear style. And, and, um, related it so much to rudimental playing. 
So both of those books, you know, the, the advanced funk studies was just actually a lot of licks that I came up with that were kind of stylistic at that time. And then the contemporary drum set book is more of that, actually how to approach the linear thing and come up with the licks. But, but uh, again, it's not so much about playing the lick, you know, it's about having a good feel. So whenever you can play, you know, if you're playing, like you said, number one, page seven or whatever, uh, you know, as long as it feels good and you can try to play it to something, you know, try to play it to a, a click or, or play it with some of your buddies or something like that in a rehearsal and make it feel good, you know, then, then it's, uh, you know, that stuff was all written just to kind of help um, expose you to that style. And then you can, you know, I really want people to kind of, I just wanted to open them up to that style and then they can, you know, it's up to the individual to create their own thing around that. So it wasn't so much just playing that pattern and having it down. A lot of people can play the sticking and um, playing the right, you know, the right voicing, but to make it feel good. Yeah, that takes some work and it's, it's, it's hard to say when it's complete, but I still work on some of that stuff myself. I mean, right. Me too. but it's, it, but it's all good, <laughs> but it's, it's all part of my playing now. You know, it's a uh, kind of the way that I play. So, right. um, you know, it's, it's, it's really kind of hard to say when to move on, but, but don't, again, I think getting stuck on something and just, uh, you know, I think it's good to move around in those books, both of the books and, and, play some things and, and move on and try some new things too. So, mm -hmm. you know, but, but like shuffles and things like that, again, that's a, you know, specific kind of stylistic thing that, that, that you have to get out and play with people for sure. Right. And not to belabor the point, but the reason, you know, the, the main reason why I asked this question is because I know that I've struggled with that too. Like I'll learn some, whatever it is, like I'll learn a pattern out of your book or I'll learn uh -huh. you know, something else. And then I would take it from, 40 beats a minute just to figure it out. And then I would go sure. right to 90 and then, you know, 190 and then say, okay, I got it. I'm ready. To yeah. Go. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually, yeah, that probably you don't have it. Right. right. <laughs> you know, pro, pro, it, and it just, when you can really play it and it's really like feels good and uh, that, that's when it's done, you know, that's, mm -hmm. that's about what I can say. Cause because some of that stuff takes, uh, you know, it's 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 not easy. Some of it is very easy and lays very easy with your hands and on the drum set. But but some of it to really make it funky and make it swing in a certain way takes takes some time. You can play the sticking, but uh, you know a lot of people can play the sticking. But it, you know, like it's funny that a lot of people play the solos on the internet. There's a lot of people. Uh, playing those solos out of the advanced funk studies book, which is great. And that's why I wrote them to play for like auditions or, or end of semester exams or something like that. But uh, it's funny that a lot of people play those exercises and they still sound very stiff. You know, it doesn't sound like it's really grooving. It sounds like they're playing all the notes, but you know, it's not really, it's got to feel like a song, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, that is the one thing, or not the one thing, but one of yeah. the many things that I admire about your playing is your feel. And like, I was just going, well, I, I was watching the shuffle video, the the recent one that you did on uh, on Drum Channel, all of the, uh -huh. the, the shuffles yeah. masterclass. And yeah. like, man, just the feel is is ridiculous. So what, what well, was thanks, the, man. Thanks. Sure, what was the sort of what was the uh, the way that you arrive there or you or you practice that sort of thing because everybody has a different approach on, on sure. how to develop feel and i think the reason why it's so interesting to me is because it's such an intangible yeah yeah well it is man and sometimes it's funny man because i just uh, you know again i've had the opportunity to play with some really great guys <clears throat> and great musicians throughout my career so far and you know to me, sometimes it it and I don't mean this to sound um, you know egotistical or I, I, to me sometimes it doesn't really feel that great, but people think <laughs> that it does. So okay, <laughs> I, I guess I'm doing something right, but sometimes I don't even know. You know, I mean, I I've done it so much that I feel comfortable doing it, but 
but it's not something that I'm really conscious of. It, it's just the, the the way I feel. I think certain certain people really do have a special, you know, like Bernard or Gad or Jeff Picaro. I mean, so and I'm not comparing myself to those guys at all, but I'm just saying, you know, some people just have a, a feel. And, um, you know, maybe my feel for the shuffle is, is good, you know, and I, I mean, I mean, you're, I mean, feel in general, not just but, shuffle I mean, feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I understand. And I appreciate that, man. But I mean, <clears throat> my feel is, uh, is my feel. And it's something that obviously I did practice it, but I, I don't know when, I, if there was ever a time when I said, or still say that it's done, <laughs> that, right. that, that that feels good. I always think it can feel a little better, you know, to be honest. I mean, sometimes I hear some playbacks or something and, and, and it feels good. And I go, yeah, yeah, that's cool. And everybody's digging the track and stuff. And, but I still hear some little things sometimes that, you know, maybe I could do better. But um, but thank you for that. And uh, and, you know, that's I have gotten a lot of gigs because of that, because people, you know, like like my feel so it it is such an intangible like you said it's uh you know it's it's really funny man that some really great players like the guys i just mentioned like you know they can hit a drum one time and it sounds different Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's it's really funny that's really very interesting and i I, i've seen that a lot and I, i don't know how to describe it and i don't even know how to if you work towards that, I, I don't know. I think it just somehow comes out eventually, you know, mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. have to develop their own, own stylistic things. And, and that's something too, that, that I encourage everybody to try to find, <clears throat> you know, a lot of it is not so much the, the technical feel, but it's the sound and everything, you know, everything is so, uh, um, she's trying to think of the right word. I don't, you know, there's everything has a, an a effect on you. Sound, the visual thing, the, you know, the physical thing. So, you know, if your drums sound good, that, that makes a big difference too. You know, mm-hmm. if you're hitting your drum with a really good sound, you know, and that's, that's something I like to teach guys because I do, you know, I feel like, I have a technique that's maybe a little bit different than some other guys teach, but it was taught to me and it was a, it's a great technique of just getting a great sound out of the drum or the cymbal or whatever you're hitting. And I think that's something that came to back to, uh, that goes all the way back to what we were first talking about. My, my exposure to classical and symphonic playing, you know, hitting a timpani playing suspended cymbal, you know, playing castanets, play, you know, all this stuff is uh, different. You approach it differently, you know, and you mm-hmm. can't, you can't just, just hit the drum. You have to really, you know, it has to be musical. It has to be musical. And I think, I think the sound affects the feel. Yeah. You know, the overall, you know, feeling of, of what's happening. So that's, uh, you know, I don't know if I if I really answered your question, but no, I hope no, no, I, I I hope I gave a little insight as to 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 what to do. But it, it's 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 important again that people try that, and I encourage everybody to you know try experiment with cymbals and sticks and drum heads and you know try to really find something that makes your signature sound. That's another thing I use a lot that term in clinics and, uh, you know, because there's a lot of, a lot of drummers, there's a lot of drummers, uh, you know, playing the same licks and same things that we all practice, but what's going to set you apart, you know, from the next guy. Mm-hmm. So that's, uh, that's something to think about too. Mm-hmm. And to piggyback on a, a little bit about what you said with the, with the visual and, you know, how the, how the kit feels and things like that. I've definitely yep. sat behind, a kit that sounded like crap and I felt like I couldn't play anything and, uh-huh. I, and I felt like I was the worst drummer in the world. And then I've sat behind a kit that sounds really good and yeah. I feel like I can play anything and I can't play a wrong note. And, yeah. and I don't know if it's yeah. psychological or not. It, it does affect you though. It, it is psychological and it does, it, it, it's, uh, it, it affects you for sure. Mm-hmm. 
it, it's it's really you know and and some I've sat behind some great players drum kits that you wonder how they play it and they sound great <laughs> you know and it's it's really funny and and vice versa then you sit behind a really drum set that feels really great but the guy playing it didn't sound so great you know mm-hmm. so it, it works both ways it's, it's very interesting that is interesting but the setup is important too and in, in ergonomics and all that stuff that's another thing i like to talk about uh, teaching, you know, not only really the physical aspect of technique, but sitting and, and feet position. And, you know, this is all really very important. So we, we talk a little bit about about the way that you teach. And then I'm guessing as a teacher that you have recommended ways that people practice as well. And sure. again, another topic that everyone has a different approach. So I like to hear I like to hear everyone's approach to practice. So what is your, what's your personal approach to practice and what do, what do you suggest that other people do for practicing? Well, you mean, <coughs> excuse me, just general practicing. Sure. You know, just, yeah. Well, I always start, you know, I, I play every day. I mean, I play the pad at least every day if I can't play the drums. And, you know, I think it's important to warm up your hands and stuff, stretch a little bit. I don't have any specific stretching exercises, but just, just, you know, rudimental stuff playing and, and little, you know, very simple little things, just rolls and paradiddles and flams and different combinations of things like that. I like to do probably 30 minutes on the pad. Even if I'm in my studio with the drum kit, I'll play only snare drum for maybe a half an hour, you know, and, um, and then start playing some set stuff. And, you know, just grooving or maybe put something on and, and play to it. But but I think it's it's important that I think the, the main thing about practice is to do it, um, you know, on some kind of routine schedule and try to do it every every day. You know, I think that's important. Even 15 minutes, you know, or 20 minutes a day, especially for somebody <clears throat> that, you know, is maybe – not hasn't been playing so long or just starting this is important that your hands you know just to get the the feeling of the sticks in the hands you know i mean sometimes i go if i'm traveling or let's say i'm on vacation or something and i don't take my pad sometimes i do but um you know if i don't play for a couple weeks sometimes it feels good to to come back and just play you know Mm -hmm. and i haven't i haven't practiced maybe for a week or so that's rare but it does happen so you know i think i mean i've been playing you know for 45 years so right that's uh you know it's not that i'm really see myself as needing to practice so much but i like playing i like warming up i like moving and playing the drums you know and playing the pad or picking up the sticks that's part of my life so i really feel like you know, if I don't do it every day, to, you know, it's it's funny. I, I just do it. I just do it. So I think it's important that you really stay on some kind of schedule with practicing and not just kind of, you know. And, and again, when you're young and, and make yourself practice, like when I was in school, you know, I, I tell people, you know, I used to practice six hours a day. And that's not that's actually not so weird when you think about it, because if you practice in the morning for two hours and then you have some classes, then you practice two hours in the afternoon and you uh, go to dinner or something. And then you practice for a couple hours at night, that six hours can really go by pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. So, and that's the luxury of being in school. (laughs) You've got to practice and, and you know, it's part of your schooling. So I don't have the luxury to, to play six hours a day, but you know, I, I think it's important to, to pick up the sticks and play, Every day, a little bit. I actually had a six-hour practice routine when I was in college, and I remember. Uh-huh. And someone came in and did a clinic, and I forget who it was. It was a marimba player. I can't remember his name, but I remember him saying, "Listen, practice as much as you can now, because you'll never have as much time as you do right now to practice." And I was like, "Ah, yeah. oh, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about." <laughs> yeah, how much do you practice now? Right, an hour, <laughs> an hour yeah. a day, maybe twenty, yeah. you know, thirty yeah. minutes a day, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly right, man. And that's that's why it was great. And, and that's why I think so many of these great players, you know, just about all the people that we've that I've mentioned or 
or that we think of as really great players, most of the guys, some of them did not, but most went to school, mm-hmm. you know, and studied. And, and they that, that gave them that uh, luxury of practice time. But people like Bernard, I mean, and, and great drummers, you know, they didn't go to school. They went to school every day playing with James Brown and stuff. You right. Know? right. <laughs> that school was, of hard that knocks. Was, that was school. <laughs> yeah, that was school. So so it's, it's interesting that you should take advantage of it, uh, for sure, if you're in school. And I see, I see a lot of people not doing that. You know, I see some guys going to school now and they, they're not practicing very much. I, I don't even see how you could not do that, but, but yeah. it, it does, it does happen, but that's the luxury for sure. Yeah. So there's no doubt that all of you know, I love DW drums and I've been playing them for years. And I mentioned on the last podcast, do yourself a favor. If you're out in the LA area or just, I mean, even if you're not, take a trip to Oxnard. It's about 45 minutes north of of L.A. And go in and tour the factory. It's amazing. They have a proprietary way that they make all their shells and everything. And th- just watching how they make these drums is amazing. Not only that, you can interact with the people there. And you'll realize that it's such just a really close-knit family over there at DW. So do yourself a favor, go check them out in Oxnard or check them out dwdrums.com. But like you, you got to get the full experience if you go there. So do yourself a favor, go to Oxnard and take a tour. It's, uh, I don't know if it's free or not. I think it's free. Anyway, go check it out. And uh, you can visit them at dwdrums.com. Well worth the visit. I promise you. This session is also brought to you by Sabian and their new XSR symbol. So I could tell you all about their award-winning technology and their B12 bronze and all of that stuff. That doesn't mean anything to me, and I don't know what it means to you. But here's something that you need to know, that these are super high-quality, professional-grade symbols at a price that you can afford. And at the end of the day, what else do you need to know? For more info, head over to sabian.com forward slash XSR. All right, let's get back into it with Rick Latham. So you had mentioned that you've been you've been doing this for forty five years, and and along your storied careers, I'm sure that you've had some really high highs and some low lows. And I think the best thing about having these low lows and these failures is that you learn something from them. So sure. what's what's some uh, maybe a point in your career or something that happened to you that was either a failure or some sort of low that you really learned from that that you can sort of impart some wisdom on the listeners about? Well, you know, I can't really I not that I haven't had some real lows. I mean, I guess every musician does at some point, but I can't think of one instance. I there were just times where I wasn't probably working as much as I would like to, and um, you know probably felt like maybe that you know nobody wanted me or you know felt like I wasn't good enough or something mm-hmm. for some reason, and uh, you know or maybe didn't get an audition or something like that, you know. But um, but that that you know that's probably those times were the the ones that I maybe became the most down and and you know questioning you know am I doing the right thing or whatever sure you know and I again I can't really put my finger on it but um you know it it's gonna happen at some point probably to to everybody and uh I've I've had a been lucky. I'm a pretty positive guy, I think. And, um, I've been lucky enough to, you know, be able to meet people and, and, you know, I like people, I like traveling, I like doing different things. And that's, that's another thing too. Again, back to playing different styles and doing different things. You know, if you get locked into one thing, sometimes I think you, you're probably set yourself up more for more obstacles because you're kind of, you know, like a horse with blinders, you know? Sure. So you don't see all the opportunities that may be out there. So, you know, sometimes I had to change directions maybe and, and go do some other kind of gigs that I maybe didn't think I wanted to do at first. And that put me in a different situation. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think it's, uh, 
you know, it's it's good, you know, even if you do get down or you feel like, um, you know, you're not cutting it somehow or, you know, that you do you do really take a look at yourself and um, and figure out what you could change, you know, to to make it better. Because, you know, I, I think it's up to the individual. It's all up to you to stay positive, you know. Mm hmm. And you know more than I. You've been doing this a lot longer than I have. But it's a it's a roller coaster, you know. Yeah, and, and it, it's it a sure tough, is. It's a tough business, and it is for for everybody. I think at every and and now especially, man. I think over the last, especially let's say the last ten years, and maybe even the last fifteen or twenty, things have been changing a lot. You know, with the not only the internet, you know, the accessibility of music, the pirating of music <clears throat> it's funny i just got a i just got a thing uh today about uh actually from alfred publishing some some websites you know that were selling uh you know download copies of my books illegally you know so wow. <laughs> yeah so you know things happen things happen things happen but you have to you know you, you have to really kind of just again make things happen too and mm -hmm. the business the business is changing a lot you know there there used to be no way to do that you know like 20 years ago there you know you bought the book mm -hmm. <laughs> and and now you know you can uh, download it you know right. for free or or somebody's album or something so you know this this has caused some some problems uh, and also studio business you know the studio um the budgets and things have come down quite a bit. So, you know, I think that's, again, that's a, a, another thing that you have to kind of find different ways in the business to stay active. So that's, that's one reason too, that, <clears throat> you know, I love playing and I, I have a great trio with these guys in Italy and um, we play festivals and theaters and uh, clubs and stuff. I, I love doing that. I still love playing. But, um, you know, I also love teaching and I also love doing clinics and stuff. I, I love writing articles and I still try to do all of that stuff. You know, some some mm -hmm. some musicians are resistant to some of those things. And, um, you know, I, I think I pride myself in being able to do all of those things. And I feel like I I'm a good clinician, a good teacher, a good performer, a good writer, a good producer. You know, I I I like to try to do all those things. So, you know, that keeps me busy. Sure. And I think that I think that's something important too to guys today. Um, you know, don't just uh you know, <clears throat> again go in one big direction. I mean, it's good to have goals and and set goals and and reach your goals by all means, and I don't mean not to have goals, but you know, to broaden your scope a little bit, try to do many things because there's a lot of great things you can do in the in the musical world. You know, in the drumming world. Mm -hmm. So I'm big on on goal setting and you know habit formation and things like that. So do you have do you have any systematic ways of like like do you have daily routines or do you have goal setting exercises or anything like that? Do you do anything specifically or is it just sort of a, a overall idea no you know it's it's pretty much overall i mean i have certain things you know I, I try to you know i make a list of every day uh not a physical list but kind of a mental list of of things i need to do people i need to get in touch with you know uh, artists i need to stay in touch with uh, artists i've worked with artists i haven't worked with management companies studios things like that i, I try to do something positive forward motion, you know, every day. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and being, you know, I, I hate to sound corny, but, uh, you know, being a nice guy, man, and do unto others, you know, this is, uh, one of the, <laughs> you know, fundamental, most fundamental things in life, I think. And I, I think that has a lot to do with, uh, with the things that happen in your life as well. I'm a big fan of karma. So yeah, yeah, you know. yeah. And just treat yep. you know treat people how you want to be treated and yeah you know, exactly be genuine exactly. And, yeah and that it's that does come back to you man mm -hmm. that's for sure I'm I'm a big believer in that myself so how do you feel about the shift of where everything is going with 
with music and all that are you obviously not you're not for you know the fact that you can download your book without paying sure for it. <laughs> yeah I, I don't i don't need you to answer that but how do you feel yeah. just about the overall shift do you think that it it's good for well, music or do you think it's bad for music well i think it's 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 good and bad you know it's it's <coughs> excuse me nick i'm really sorry i told you i had this allergy thing happening no problem so all you guys hear me coughing and sneezing and wheezing and stuff um <laughs> It's just started here, allergy season in Milan, Italy. But, um, um, you know, man, it's uh, just be, you know, try to do what's right. That's that's the best thing, you know. Mm-hmm. I think just just try to try to do what's right, and uh, it it works, you know. Right. Karma, karma like you said, karma is a, a a good thing. Right. I was asking about too about the uh, about where you said it's good and bad for the industry. Oh, good and going. bad for the yeah yeah for the for the industry and the way things are going. It's um, you know, it can be good in in the fact that man, you can um, you know, you can actually reach a lot more people now. It's very easy to 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 you know put something on YouTube or on the internet and and reach you know literally millions of people. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's that's great in a way, but there's also ways that you know people can you know give away millions of ideas and things that, that you know that took somebody a long time to <laughs> to put together. So you know, I, I I love technology. I have all the studio gadgets and you know iPhones and computers and you know all this kind of stuff. And I I love technology, but. I still think there's, you know, there's something about the, you know, the the art of making music and making music live and stuff that still will never die. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, YouTube YouTube is great, but going out and hearing a concert is much more, to me, you know, much more fulfilling to to feel that stuff happen live. So, you know, YouTube and all is great, and I I put a lot of videos up too, and I. But I do it for the uh, hoping that I can give somebody some information. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not saying look at me, look at me. You know, I'm I'm saying here's something to try. Check this out, guys. Right. You know, you might enjoy this. And, and sometimes it is something funny. I say like, well, check this out. You know, I, I can do this at uh, you know 340 BPM with one foot. You know, but just it's <laughs> kind of funny kind of thing. But um. But I think that, again, educationally, it's great that you can reach many people. Uh, these podcasts, I mean, look at what we're doing here. You know, it's great that people can can hear these interviews with uh, with different artists all over the world. Mm-hmm. That's that's a good thing. That's it's a good thing. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's really amazing. <clears throat> we were just a friend of mine. <clears throat> excuse me. A friend of mine was in uh, passing through Milan. And he's a friend of mine that I used to play with in uh, Dallas in a band in Texas. And we were walking down the street the other day and actually going to see the uh, uh, Leonardo da Vinci's Last Supper painting. It's uh, it's five minutes from my apartment here That's in Milan. Awesome. And uh, yeah, it's, it is awesome to look at that, man. And we were walking down the street. And saying, what would Leonardo and these guys say about cell phones? You know, we're we're, right. we're picking up this thing and everybody's looking at these little tablets and stuff. I mean, that is such a trip, you know, mm-hmm. that technology has, you know, we've seen just in our lifetimes, man, so many great, great things. And it's it's unbelievable, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at the look at you know the hi hat, how it started, the low boy, you know. The, you know, this is pretty ridiculous now. Yeah, and you then, know, like, triggering and all that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's I'm insane. into all that, and I was into all the electronic stuff when it all started. But now I I really do uh, really like the acoustic drums. I mean, I I don't have electronics myself anymore. I have some triggers I use sometimes in the studio and live if artists want that kind of thing to trigger some sounds. And I had my own set up with my own sounds and samples and all this stuff, you know, in the eighties. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, now I just like, uh, the acoustic drums, you know, back to basics, you know? Yep. And, uh, but, but technology is great, man. But, 
you know, uh, use it sparingly, mm-hmm. <laughs> I like to say. Yep, yep. So we talked about, you know, that you have to, you have to always be adjusting and changing and, and really reevaluating what's going on, which, and now you were, you know, you were on the East coast, you moved to LA and Uh now you live in Italy. So let's talk about really what spawned that move and, and sort of what, what direction and what you're working on now. Sure. Sure. Well, I, like I said, I'm, I've been in Milan now for about two years and uh, it's funny because my wife is Korean from Seoul, South Korea. She's a fashion designer. She has a business in L.A. And uh, we met in L.A. I was playing, uh, <clears throat> you know, I toured with Edgar Winter for about 10 years. And mm-hmm. I worked with uh, Quincy Jones when I first moved here. I did some <clears throat> movie soundtracks and stuff. And then uh, for the last 10 years, I was playing with Juice Newton, pop country mm-hmm. artist. And um it's funny that Juice, it's really interesting. I just want to say her her Angel of the Morning, I don't know how many guys listening to this would know that tune, but uh, very big hit in the 70s. And uh, that's that's used in the opening uh, opening scene of Deadpool now. Oh, really? <laughs> that's, that's really crazy. Yeah, it's a great boost for Juice. It's really great. Uh, unbelievable. Cause it's, so, it's such a juxtaposition that very – melodic love ballad and all this destructive stuff going on (laughs) in the background you know it's pretty pretty interesting but but um yeah it's it's funny that i was traveling to europe i started traveling to europe more and more like over the last few years and i was would end up being here maybe six months out of every year so my wife and i decided uh you know maybe we should uh, get an apartment here and i you know, that way I don't have to go back and forth so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we chose Milan. I mean, she's a fashion designer. This is like considered the fashion capital. So she loves Milan. <clears throat> she still got her business in L.A. And we travel back and forth. So I've got a great trio here with some Italian guys, guitar and bass player. And um, we're playing. Like I said, we're doing stuff. I'm teaching at a couple schools and also teaching privately here in Milan. <clears throat> I'm playing with a couple projects in Germany. I still work with some producers and songwriters in Germany. And, um, you know, still doing clinics and my master classes and stuff around the world. I go to China every year. I'm going back to China this summer. and So <clears throat> it was just kind of a natural progression for me to – there were so many – really good opportunities happening in Europe. I just decided, you know, to be closer to it. You know, there's mm-hmm. more, it's very funny, as you know, <clears throat> being from Italian descent, you know, and coming to Europe often there, you know, everything is so close here. So, you know, to, for me to go to <clears throat> France or Spain or Germany or Poland or mm-hmm. Austria, Switzerland, it only takes a couple hours. Yeah, jump on Ryanair. From, or... from here, yeah, yeah. Or even the trains yep. are great. You know, that's slower, but it's great. And um, and I love history. So I, I, I just, you know, I feel very at home here. It's funny that a lot of my American European friends that are from Europe that live in America now, they've always said, man, you're you're not the typical American guy. You're much more European than, you know, and it feels good for me here. I, I love America, and uh, but I love Europe, too, and I, I love history. And, you know, we all came from here. Yeah. <laughs> all the American guys, uh, you know, we're all our ancestors were from somewhere else. Yep. So, so it feels it feels good to me, you know, and I like. Again, the opportunities. I like the, you know, things were going great in L.A., but there were just more things here. And like I said, we were talking about with the, you know, now things have changed with studios and things not, you know, and there weren't as many sessions and things happening that I like to do, but I can do those more here now. And not know? to mention, you don't have to be in L.A. or yeah, in New yeah. York. Or, well, you know. yeah, I still come back and do things in the States, too. Yeah. Right. So, so I'm not totally out of the states. Uh, I mean, uh, and that's uh, something that's you know, kind of took me a little while to explain to people too that I'm I'm not gone, you know, that far away. So, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but but it was just better. There were more things happening, and there's some you know more things happening 
over here immediately than were happening at that moment in uh, in L.A. So, mm-hmm. you know, and I still go back to L.A. every couple of months and do some things and I actually got some more clinics coming up around the country and in the States uh, this summer, then come back to Europe. Nice. Yeah. So do you have so, so do you have dual citizenship over there or no? Uh, not yet. Not no? yet. I'm no, no. I'm still working on that. But uh, it, everything takes longer in Italy. Yes, it does. <laughs> yes, so it much does. bureaucratic stuff, man. It's incredible. Yeah. But 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 I I like it. I do like it. I, I love living here, and um, uh, the people are great. And again, the opportunities are great. Playing with some great guys and. And uh, Milan's a great city. Well, I am officially jealous because Italy, aside from here, is by far my favorite my favorite place in the world. Uh, yeah, like yeah. we talked about. So, good for you on that, man. That's awesome. And you say you say you're uh, you're thinking about moving to LA? Uh, I am in June. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. I'm gonna very good relocate out there, and then uh, I don't know. Who knows? Maybe I'll end up in LA, be, or maybe I'll me- end up in Italy because there's more there, opportunities. There. there you go. There you go. No, that's, we, that's we have cool. a house there, which is cool, so I can go over whenever I want. And yeah, know. that's that's good. You gotta you you gotta you gotta hit me to that family winery, though, man. I I, I definitely <laughs> will. I definitely yeah. will. Very good. So Very if good. there's if there's people who are listening that want to study with you, if they're you know uh-huh. not in Italy, you do Skype lessons and all that kind of stuff, right? I, I do Skype lessons. I do Skype lessons, and uh, those are available. And also, I'm teaching, like I said, here in Milan. I teach at a school in Torino <clears throat> that's called X4M, X, the number 4M, uh, school uh, perform school of musicians that's in Torino, Italy, which is only about an hour from Milan. That's where the uh, the Olympics were, right? Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Exactly. And Torino is a beautiful city, Mm -hmm. but, um, I also teach here. I have a private studio here and sometimes I go to people's studios. So if you're in the Milan area or anywhere in Italy, I could easily be reached and, uh, you know, they can find me on Facebook or ricklatham.com, my website, or Skype lessons also. There's some information on my site about that too. Perfect. And and I'm always traveling, so always check my, especially Facebook. You can see I, I go to Germany next month, and uh, you know I from time to time I'll do some clinics and workshops at some schools and stores in Europe, <clears throat> but I'll also do some private teaching too. So if anybody is ever interested in studying with me, just uh, get in contact, just get in touch with me. And, you know, we can work it out. Even when I come back to the States, I come back to the States in uh, mid-May. I'll be do some teaching in uh, the L.A. area. So, well, yeah, I, just, I encourage anyone to to definitely check Rick out. And I'll <coughs> I'll put in the show notes, I'll put all the information about how people can get in touch with you if they want to okay. you know, get Skype or, or anything like that. Also, I suggest everyone to check out his books, whether it be um, – the advanced funk studies or check out the contemporary jump set techniques or all about the groove, which is the DVD that he did. Uh, so where's the best place for them to get that through your website or online or, uh, yeah, sure. They can go to my website and look, but, uh, Alfred publishing is, uh, Alfred, you know, it's a distributor for my books and they also have the DVD, but you can also order the DVD from, uh, directly from drum channel. Okay. And I'll put, yeah, all the notes on there as well. And the sure. And I cannot stress enough to everyone if you've never worked out of the Advanced Funk Studies book. I learned I studied out of that for years. Modern Drummer named it the top twenty five greatest drum books ever published. I mean it is it's 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 amazing. So I want to thank you personally for writing that and Well and just, thank you, Nick. I, I appreciate that, man. I always you know <clears throat> it was funny, I was twenty five when I wrote that, man. And that's crazy. Uh, and I just I just um, love hearing that from people, you know, just that they that they learn something from it. That that means a lot to me. And I really appreciate that, man. That's that was the whole purpose of it. So it it definitely uh, it did me well. I I actually played the tape so many times that it broke. That's how (laughs) that's how long it was. I had it on tape. Yeah, they came. They came with cassettes. The book came with cassettes originally. And then uh, finally, the. 
the CDs. So that's that's very interesting, man. That's great. <laughs> I still I still meet people from time to time on the road that have the cassettes. Yeah, I ha- I had it, but the the t- it broke because I used it yeah. so many times. So. <laughs> well, oh. I'll send you I'll send you some CDs, man. Perfect. I'll, yeah, there Perfect. you go. Speaking speaking of the books and the DVDs, so yeah. Rick Rick has said that he's going to give away a copy of Contemporary Drum Set Techniques, a copy of Advanced Funk Studies, and a copy of the DVD. So that's three people that have a chance of winning. So if you're interested in trying to enter to win, head over to drummersresource.com forward slash forward slash sorry rick latham <laughs> r-i-c-k l-a-t-h-a-m and the, you can be entered to win one of those from rick and he's going to sign them for you and, and very good yeah i'll, yep, I'll sign them personally awesome well rick again thank you so much for for being a part of this thank you for everything you've you've given to the drum community we we all appreciate you man it's been an honor to talk to you Thank you, Nick. I really appreciate it, man. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Grazie mille. Grazie mille. Niente. Grazie a te. <laughs> Ciao. Grazie. Ciao. Ciao. So there you have it, Rick Latham. And for all the notes and links and everything that we talk about, you can find them at drummersresource.com forward slash session one six five. You can find show notes to every single podcast that I've done. Just whatever number the podcast is, just go to drummersresource.com forward slash session and then whatever that number is like this one, session one six five. Also, I mentioned in the beginning, all of the social channels for Drummers Resource and Nick Ruffini have been combined now. So on Instagram, it's Nick Ruffini, Twitter, it's Nick underscore Ruffini, Snapchat, it's Nick dot Ruffini. Don't know why. That's just how the cookie crumbled. I couldn't get all of them. And uh, I couldn't just get Nick Ruffini. And Facebook is still going to be Drummer's Resource because I just use that to publish the articles and all that stuff. So cool. I hope everybody has a good day. Thank you so much for, for listening and putting out 165 on my birthday is is pretty amazing. So Go Phils if you're a Phillies fan, and uh, if not, that's all right, as long as you're not a Yankees fan. (laughs) All right, talk to you soon. Peace.